my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. And thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy, where for this sit down, I'm joined by one of the more renowned players in Wellington Club Rugby, played for the Wellington Lions at the back end of last year, and is now officially a married man, uh, that being the brother Brandon Lawson. First of all, Kaz, thank you very much for your time, and how are Kia ora, bro. Um, very generous um, intro there, but um, I'll take it. Um, good, bro. Like I said, recently married, so yeah, not much has changed, to be honest. I've actually just come out of um, isolation, bro. I did COVID last week, so uh, apart from that, just chipping away. Nice. Well, have you, you fully recovered? How'd you, how'd you find it? Like, was it as bad as what you'd heard, or had you heard about some pretty gnarly scenarios? Bro, I'm not going to lie. For a couple of days, I was, I was pretty bad, eh? Um, just like, you know, the body aches and the headaches and stuff. And it was quite funny because Leash got it at the same time or a couple of days later and she had like hardly any symptoms. So I had to tell her that obviously, you know, males suffer you know, <laughs> a lot worse than them. <laughs> so she was just giving me shit, man. But nah, it wasn't too bad. I was all over and done with it, you know, in a few days. And really- mm, yeah, it seems to be um, making the rounds, uh, not only with a lot of people that I know, but I see that this weekend's Super Rugby games, like there's only one on this weekend. So yeah, hopefully this is sort of the the brunt of it and we slowly start to see a decline so that way we can get back into some normalcy but just around you know obviously you got married uh on my birthday so i'll, I'll never forget <laughs> that but where'd you end up dipping off to for your honeymoon bro to keep the celebrations going we went way up north eh? northland black bay of islands and all that which is real cool like we all talk about traveling the world and seeing the all the cool places overseas when we don't even really discover our own backyard. So that was real cool. Some real nice beaches and stuff up there. We are real lucky with the weather too. So that was a good trip away. Are you familiar with up north or was it like your first time around there? Uh, my parents took me up there when I was, I must have been about 10 or something. So some places I was familiar with, like Russell and places like that. But um, no, we went to heaps of new places that I'd never been to. So it was cool. Nice, bro. Um, and I... Did, you know, with following you on Instagram, uh, managed to see that you did get some training in. So it wasn't too tough for when you were back uh, into the swing of things with the Eagles. So sort of moving over to the footy, how are things in the club scene for you guys? And are you sort of gearing up for another big year? Yeah, bro. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, so I wasn't the only one that got COVID last week. It was about, it must be about four or five of us out for the whole week, which sort of put a halt on things. I think we had to miss a training last uh, last week but we ended up having a pre-season game against Pornicke I didn't play but by all accounts um sounds like the boys went all right we've got some good young boys coming through which is cool eh? so now nah, we're all looking forward to it bro I just hope that you know the whole COVID stuff doesn't really mess our season up too much eh? has there been any pushbacks with dates oh, I heard these chats about a delayed start for the season but I don't think anything's confirmed yet well I haven't heard anything anyway so yeah. hopefully not it's going to be interesting, obviously, like, yeah, like I mentioned before, hopefully we see um, the start of a decline. But if you're going to get cases like what we're seeing with the Super Rugby boys, um, we already know how thin talent can be across certain clubs in Wellington. So, yeah, I can only imagine <laughs> if COVID gets into a club one week and the sort of players yeah. that may be turning out um, across the grades. But, yeah, knock on wood, that isn't the case. Um, but as I've mentioned, 
or the reason why I've got you on is to sort of get some insight into your footy career. I know that it's taken a few twists and turns before um, sort of the fairy tale that sort of came at the back end of last year. So why don't we take it back to the start uh, and you talk about where you grew up and how you got into playing. Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in Lower Hutt, just got mum, dad, uh, one sister. So it was us four. I loved it. I, I think I started playing rugby when I was about three or four for the Mighty Eagles. Don't know if I was playing much rugby or picking flowers, but now I, I just always remember um, getting ready that on a Saturday morning, taping my socks up, putting on a headgear, you know, think, thinking I was the bee's knees. But I always had a passion for rugby. Obviously, Dad was a big part in that. He, he played for Huddle Boys Paris as well. And so, yeah, I played there till I was about, I think I was about 10. We moved up to the Carpety Coast. Uh, Mum and Dad chipped us up here. So, I uh, ended up playing for Paraparomu Juniors and, and went to school up here as well. So, I went to Carpety College. And yeah, that was awesome. That was, it was a cool time playing first 15 and all that. And then uh, after school, I made the decision to go back down to Hutt to try and give rugby a crack, I guess. But like I, I wasn't like the thing about that, like I wasn't even the best player in that our first 15 or anything. I wasn't even like I was always I loved it and I was always real passionate about it. But I was it wasn't the best player. I, I suppose I I could kick a ball and pass a ball well and I always dreamt of, you know, going a bit further with, with it. But um yeah, I th- obviously if I'd hung around here and played club footy with which most of my mates did, you know, the fairy tale end might not have ever happened. So uh yeah, it was a good move in the end to go down back down to the Eagles. Because mm-hmm. what was the academy set up like at the time you left school? Because I know that now we see guys pretty much thrown into the hurricane set up and they're playing for the Lions first year out of school. And, you know, that more so happens with boys that are at the bigger schools. So, you know, for you going to Carpety College, which isn't renowned for its rugby, you mentioned the fact that you said that you weren't the best player um, or you didn't consider yourself the best player. So how did, or where did that desire come from to actually give rugby a proper crack? Yeah, so um, I was thinking about this today because uh, obviously I was never going to get selected for academy, like I said, out of Carpenter College. We were in a big rugby school. Although in my sixth form year, we made Premier One and um, we were playing against like you boys, Stream and Colt, just getting absolutely smashed. But it was, it was real cool playing against the top guns like, you know, um, the Sopawanga brothers, TJ Pedernado, you know, playing against those guys sort of made you feel like, shit, it'd be awesome to be running alongside them, you know? So mm-hmm. that was like the main desire to go down and uh, play in Wellington. Uh, in terms of the academy, obviously I was never really considered um, that first year out of school, but I ended up making the Wellington 20s in that first year out of school, which was probably the first time that I sort of thought, oh yeah, I, could, I can mix it with these boys. So I was really hoping that maybe that next year they would, they could find a spot for me in the academy, but it wasn't to be. But yeah, like you say, man, the, the, the boys are just cracking it like younger and younger these days. Eh? It's it's it makes you makes you wonder. But um, yeah. So I was never really I was never really considered for the academy or whatnot. But um, that's all good. So the fact that you were such a big rugby head and your dad was quite the player in his day and his heyday as well. And we can get into the influence that he had, but considering you were from the hut and then only shifted to the Carpety coast sort of intermediate age, was there ever any thought to perhaps going to a bigger school to pursue that rugby dream? Uh, it's funny. Eh? Like I don't really re- recall a time while I was at school thinking like that. I remember um, I missed out on a trial for the hurricane schools and I was, 
a little bit better, I guess, because I was like, like I wasn't the best, but I, 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 there was a few of us in, in, in the team that, you know, I thought deserved at least a crack at it. And mm-hmm. I just, from that moment, I wondered, like, you know, if we were playing at a bigger school, you know, in a better team, you know, on a winning side, would it be different? But um, no, nah, I never actually really looked into moving schools while I was there, but I'd say if we were to have stayed in the hut and never moved up here, I probably probably would have become a streamer, to be honest, bro, which, man, it could have been all different. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, bro. Well, you would have been um, a great addition to the school uh, than me, considering um, the nonsense that I got up to while I was there. But, so you make the decision to go back to the hut when you first leave school. And so what were you doing? Like, obviously, you're playing your club rugby, but, like, what were you doing, like, study-wise, job-wise? Yeah, so my last year of school was a bit of a muck around. I was pretty much there to play footy and, you know, hang out with my mates. So I had to um, sort of figure out what I was going to do afterwards. And I somehow stumbled across a job at the local city fitness becoming a um, personal trainer. I took like a six-week crash course to become a qualified personal trainer, which was pretty out of the gate when you think about it because I was like 17 trying to train, you know, clients and I struggled with it because I I couldn't get around the thought of asking people for money, you know, <laughs> and it was yeah. a, the rates were through the roof as well. So I wasn't the best PT, let's put it that way. But I did that for a couple of years, but I was still living up here. So I was traveling down for trainings and stuff like that, which I've gotten used to now, but that was pretty tough at the time, I guess, but it was all worth it. Yeah, well, I presume it would have been a lot cheaper than what fuel prices are as of today, bro. But so that's 2012, right? Your first year out of school? Uh, 2011, bro. That's okay, how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I, I just want to get um, just want to get the years right um, as, as I yeah. flow through these questions. So 2011, half a year with the Colts, then you're in with the Prems. And then did the following year, were you pretty much primarily with the Prems? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember. We had a few good first fives then, like Kahu Tamatir and Glenn Walters, who had been you know, there for a couple of years. But I think uh, they liked that I had a big boot so they and, and a goal kicker. So that was sort of my way in <laughs> to Premier Rugby. And yeah, I, I've been there ever since. Yeah, that's always handy. So you mentioned the fact that you played for the Wellington 20s your first year out. And so... And, and, and again, you mentioned the fact that you didn't quite get that academy spot that you were after. So was it after getting a taste of that and then perhaps, you know, getting your feet wet at premier level, that that desire to just like keep ticking over with your rugby like took off? Definitely, bro. Like I said, when, when I was at school and we were playing against the Wellington Colleges and, and the Silver Streams and that, and you're playing against all these big guns. Um, when I made that Wellington 20s side, we had, you know, all those boys in that team, you know, like um, Matty Proctor, Red Shields, guys like that. And then it was then that I was like, shit, I'm playing with these guys now. Like, this could be a real, you know, this could be my way in, like, to live that dream, you know? So uh, that was when I really started to think about it. And then 2012, I think I um, I think I got injured or something. I didn't play, like, every game. And I, I got an offer to go over and play in Scotland. And looking back now, I don't know if it was the best decision to go over, but I... I think I was just young and naive and, and expected everything to, not expect, I never expected anything, but I wanted everything to happen then and there, you know, I wanted to be in the academy, I wanted to be a Wellington Lion then, because I was training with the Wellington Lions, like, pre-season squad that year, in 2012, right. but didn't 
eventuate to a contract or anything. But yeah, so I, I went over to Scotland, bro, for like six months to play in the freezing cold. <laughs> it was a good time, but looking back, I kind of wish I'd stayed and stuck it out with another year with the 20s and, you know, really pushed in the Wellington scene because I sort of, once I'd left, got myself back out of the scene, you know, and yeah, the coach. Yeah. Yeah, it's really crazy how quickly things can move. Um, but just on your uh, sort of escapade in Europe, how did the rugby differ? Did you enjoy the style? Nah, not really, man. Like, I love kicking a ball, but they love kicking a ball. Hey? Like, it was pretty, yeah, it's just real 10 man rugby, you know, big forward packs. And oh, it, was, it was, the weather was horrendous. So it's not like you can throw the ball around anyway. So, yeah. But they're, they're pretty, um, they've obviously improved um, European rugby as we've seen but back then uh, uh, they're sort of stuck in their ways and like I said it was just 10-man rugby up the guts and chuck up a box kick or chuck it back to 10 and send it long you know and it was pretty not boring but um yeah it was cool to be able to like be on that side of the world and travel around like we're playing all over over the UK and stuff so that side of it was cool but the rugby wasn't that great compared to the New Zealand style. But so were you working at the same time or were they sort of giving you a little cash on the side to keep you afloat? Yeah, yeah. So it was a paid gig, like not big money or anything, but it was enough for a few beers on a Saturday after the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and all the all expenses and that were paid for. So it was, it, was, it was actually not a bad gig, but yeah, I was, I was sick of it. After, I was sick of the cold, but after six months, I had to come home. Mm, yeah, uh, you, I, I guess like even for someone like myself, as Wellington approaches the winter months, you underestimate just how big a factor weather is when it comes into just that. And then I guess for you being unfamiliar with your surroundings and then not liking the way that they play their rugby over there. But the only reason I asked that is because when you came back in 2013, and even though you were out of the picture, um, by all accounts, you had quite the year. Uh, so going off of uh, the, the club rugby website, you actually set the record for the most points in a season by an individual with 286. And in one game, somehow you managed to score 52 points. How does that happen? And given the fact that, yeah, you said you were out of the scene, like was it as soon as you got back to New Zealand, you hit the ground running with your training? Or, yeah, what, what sort of um, that year? Yeah, I guess I like first of all I came back fit because I just come off you know back to back seasons and like, I was playing every every minute of every game over there sort of thing and I came back I don't know I, I sort of came back with a bit of a chip on my shoulder I felt like I had something to prove I guess but the body was good then bro I was 21 years old you know I was I was fresh but yeah I, I did have that was probably my best season that I've had and that that, that 52 game was just one of those. Oh, I don't know. It was it was like a beautiful sunny day at the Ness. But it was against Rumataka, like no respect, no disrespect to them, but we had a pretty gun team that year as well, and things were just going my way. It, it, it was quite funny. I remember, do you know Tyso? Uh, we went to stream, but might be a bit older than you. Um, he was he wasn't playing that game. He was running the tee, and he came out for for conversion. It was like a sideline conversion on my bad side, and he's like, "Bro, you're on 48," and I was like, "What?" what do you mean? Like you're, he's like, you're on 48, don't miss. And I was like, shit, because I, I, I love cricket growing up. And that's like one thing you never say is like, tell someone when you're in the forties or in the nineties. Eh? And I was like, uh-huh. Jesus. But no, it was pretty cool. Like um, I think uh, Saucy told my brother, um, he got 50 like two weeks beforehand or something. So against the same team. So it was cool to like beat his record, I guess. Yeah. But, but, um, 
yeah, pretty tough day for Roma Tucker. And yeah, and I, and I just wanted to ask, like, when you are scoring at that rate, were you at any point made aware of the pace that you're on? Because funnily enough, like we've mentioned with your old man, in his heyday, he actually set the record for the amount of points by an individual uh, with 267. Yeah, again, if my notes are correct. Um, and that it looks like that record's um, stood for quite a while. So like, who, who comes to you with that? Like, does Hutt have a statistician that, that keeps up to date with that sort of stuff? Nah, no, nah, I, I, I don't think I had any idea, but um, I think the following year they brought up like a whole lot of stats and it had um, my name above dad's name. So mm-hmm. it was quite cool to like go and show him that, and, hmm, you know, <laughs> something over <laughs> him. But no, nah, I was never, we were never like keeping track of it during the season or anything like that. It's just, yeah, it was a good, good year for scoring, I guess. Yeah. But not only as an individual did that year um, go well, but the team ended up making the Jubilee Cup semi-finals. And looking at that that specific game when I was doing my homework, I see that you guys went down to Ori's and um, what was a really tight contest. And weirdly enough, bro, I remember being at that game uh, mm-hmm. with my old man. Like, I'd just come back. So I digress. I, I, I'm from Wellington, but I'd moved to Auckland and I'd just come back to Wellington um, to start at Strength. And yeah, like I just remember that game being tip for tap. Like you had Ma'a Nonu playing and like Fa'atonu Philly, who's like a MSP stalwart. Like he'd done his, yeah. this was like his one year at Ori. So there was a lot going on. And yeah, to the dismay of the home crowd, unfortunately, Ori's ended up winning that game. But yeah, I remember it just being just a, just a hectic spectacle. Yeah. So like despite losing, that that's easily my most memorable game that I've ever played like club rugby game and you and you you hear from a few boys that were watching it like self that say that like that was the, the best game of footy I've seen in a long time you know went for a hundred went into overtime eh? like mm. hundred minute game yeah they had all the guns man they had uh, Julian Savia Matt yeah. Proctor you name it they had them we had um we had Jeremy Thrush which was we thought was awesome eh? but they had this <laughs> rock star backline they had everyone but nah that was a real cool game to be a part of and yeah like I say could have gone any way yeah, I think I remember down the stretch, I think Ori's and then even yourself had a couple of kicks that would have won the game. Yeah. And then, yeah, they just they didn't manage to go over. And so the game kept going. Yeah, until unfortunately yeah. you boys ended up going down. So not quite the finish you were after, but um, a pretty spectacular year for you individually. But the following year, you decide to take up an opportunity down in Nelson. Now, considering the year that you had numbers-wise, I would have thought that that would have made um, a bigger impression on the Wellington coaches or at least the Wellington setup at the time. So what opportunities came off the back of that 2013 season and then what led to you going elsewhere? Um, so, yeah, obviously I, th- I thought I'd had a good club season and then I also, they used to have a trial game for the, for the Lions. Mm-hmm. It was like, um, well, you know, two teams just went, just played each other and they, they used to be fair, they only picked a handful of guys out of it, you know, because all the boys come down from super anyway. But I even thought I went all right in that trial as well. And Chris Boyd was the coach of the Lions at the time who I sort of had a relationship with. And I thought, you know, this this is, again, probably just being young and, you know, wanting it all to happen then. And it didn't. I played Wellington Bees that year. But then I uh, got a phone call from uh, Kieran Kane, the Tasman coach at the time, to say that they... We're looking at bringing a first swipe down. And again, bro, just young, like, 
you hit, you get that phone call, you're like, oh, yo, I'm down, <laughs> definitely. And they didn't, didn't promise a contract, but they said, you know, you come down, you play club rugby and you go well and we'll definitely, you know. So I, was, I went down there and I, I went down with, with my mate. And, um, yeah, we, we were sort of chucked in the um, high performance unit and all that. And I basically went as far as you can go without making the team, if you know what I mean. So I was, like, training with them, went on the preseason tour, went down and played Canterbury and Otago, and then when it came right down to the last cup, got the phone call saying, uh, no good. But, yeah, learn heaps, learn heaps from that because... Like I said, I, I was just young. I wanted it all to happen then and um, obviously didn't. But, yeah, here we are now. But, I mean, like, it is worth mentioning that you ended up getting uh, the club player of the year in, in the local competition down there. I know that you wouldn't end that, being the humble fellow that you are. But you, you talk about, like, being in amongst that crop and then training with the high-performance unit. Now, I'm guessing at that time, the Marcos weren't what they are now, but... Okay, no. Well, the the year before, so 2013, they won the championship, the the bottom one. Yep. Um, there was a year that like Marty Banks took off, bro. He was just carving everyone. Yeah. So they yeah. they basically wanted a, a backup to Marty Banks. Like he was their guy. Fair enough. Um, they had Hayden Cripps, and then he signed to go to Japan or something. So they they wanted a backup to to Hayden Cripps, and as it turned out, um. He's a gun now. David Harvilli was probably the one that, oh. that snaked my contract. Like, but, oh, bro, I've got no qualms with that. He's an absolute... Yeah. And he was a bloody good player back then too. So, yeah. So they, they, were, they were sort of coming into their, their own. They started, like, producing super rugby players, like, out of their ears. But they're obviously a gun team now. Yeah, absolutely. Loki a dynasty. But so being able to sort of train in, in I guess, what their academy was... And then, I guess, you know, having the season that you had and then being around that crop, did you feel like you progressed as a player? Um, and, like, was the plan to stay on the following year? Or, like, how, how did things sort of work out there? Obviously, you were gutted to miss the, the final cut, but it seemed like things were in a good enough space for you to, to stick around. Yeah, I thought I'd, uh, I'd definitely improved um, a little things as a player. So they, they said to me at the end of the year, like, you know, we want you to come back down next year and... And I was sort of like, shit, like, it's a lot to give up, you know, to, to move away without anything that's guaranteed. So I sort of like pushed for, you know, is there any sort of contract that you guys can give me to come back down? And I said, nah, like, not at this stage, but we want you to come down and give it a crack. So I ended up going back down in 2015 and just didn't click as much, I think. My mate didn't come down to me the second year and I was, yeah, I wasn't enjoying my, my footy and the Eagles were ringing me to, come back and play like that. I missed out on 2014 when they won the Jubilee Cup as well, which I was a little mm. bitter about. But uh, I, I sort of, I probably got a bit homesick, to be honest, in 2015 and ended up coming home uh, halfway through that season and just, yeah, come back to and play the, the, the back end of the season for the hut. Right. And I guess, was the goal still to nab an ITM Cup contract, I think, as it was at the time? Obviously, like it, it's a bit ugly having to come back home and you've been out of the Wellington club scene, so that's always going to put you behind the eight ball, as well as yeah. all the politics that go into it. But what was your sort of psyche, given like the amount of success you'd had as an individual at the club level, which is sort of the stepping stone to Wellington, but not quite being you know allowed through that door, like, was your confidence shaken at all? Was there even any, any contemplation that 
uh, maybe I'm, you know, I shouldn't dedicate as much time to this or maybe I'm getting my hopes up. Probably, bro. That's probably what um, definitely what would have been part of the thought process. I didn't um, come back to Wellington expecting anything that year. And as it turned out, I didn't even really have the best back end of the season for the Eagles either. So it was probably a good chance to just reset. I ended up playing um, for Hotafunua Kapiti that year in the Heartland. Mm-hmm. And that was um, that was mean, bro. That was probably a good chance to just get back and you know play and re- sort of remember why you play again. So yeah, yeah, like the headspace probably wasn't the best at that time for whatever reason. But um, yeah, no, nah, it didn't work out. So it's all good. On that, bro, like like you mentioned, the opportunity to play for a team like Hotafunua Kapiti. I, I do have some questions around the sort of the standard year, the standard there, because it's sort of a, f- a forgotten sort of level that that heartland grade but again going back to sort of your mindset at the time of being you know wanting to get it done um you know, in terms of nabbing a contract there and then and feeling like this, you know this was the time to do it otherwise you know it was never going to happen when you're were you actually enjoying your rugby at the time or did you feel like looking back did you feel like you were putting a lot of pressure on yourself and I don't know, like, I guess it's easy to look back and be like, oh, man, like, if I knew what I knew now, you know, like, maybe things would have turned out differently. But, you know, again, I only ask because you were having a lot of success. So if anything, that probably would have made it harder. Because it's one thing to play bad and then be like, okay, I can sort of understand why the coaches don't want to pick me. But, like, when you're playing well and you feel like you've done, you know, you've left no stone unturned and it's still not happening, it's just like, man, what do I have to do? Yeah, that nails it on the head, I think. that Especially at 2015, I just put so much pressure on myself because I, you know, sacrificed everything to move back down there to give it another crack. You know, put all my eggs in that basket and rugby was, like, everything. Everything was, like, you know, around rugby and, and, and making it to that next level. And I was just... It got to the point where, like, I'd be playing a club game and I'd look onto the sideline and Leon McDonald would be there and I'd just go into my shell because I was so worried about every little thing that I did, you know, is this good enough or, you know, should I be here or should I have given that, you know, definitely put way too much pressure on myself. And like you say, if I could tell myself, my young self now, you know, just say, you know, relax, man, and just remember why you play because that's when you play, like you say, you play your best footy when you're just enjoying it, eh? So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's definitely the main main reason why I wasn't enjoying it, just pressure. And it probably wasn't external as well. It was just all from me. And I was just going to say as well, bro, like a funny thing that I found myself doing is that when I reflect back to times where I felt like I was doing the right thing, but, you know, as it turns out, I wasn't. But I had people at the time telling me as well that, you know, I just needed to chill out or um, I'm putting too much stress on myself. And, you know, given the relationship I know that you and your old man have, and I know that you have a lot of close buddies and and you went down to um, Nelson with a mate. Were any of them noticing, you know, the fact that maybe you're a bit more highly strung and like trying to bring you back down to a little, bring you back down to earth a little bit more. But of course, like it's one thing to like listen to them, but it's another thing to actually apply what they're saying to your scenarios. So yeah, yeah. Like mum and dad probably definitely recognized what was going on, but it was obviously hard for them to be able to be there as much, you know, but they were still living up here, but I'd travel down for the odd game and that, but yeah, I don't know. Like, in terms of like like my teammates and that down there, they they probably just saw that I was a good club footy player. So they they just sort, you know, I mean, we've got yeah. a maintain here. <laughs> you know, it's all good. They don't really care about 
you know, what I wanted to achieve or, or what I was, or the pressure that I was putting on myself, probably they didn't realize as well. So mm. yeah, that's probably what made it a bit tougher. Yeah. So bro, it's just like, I, I like to, because I'm not the footy player you are and I like a lot of the guests, I'm nowhere near in their realm. So I try and relate on some level. And I just know that for me, that there have just been so many times in my life where I've actually got some great advice, but at the time I'm just too wise for my own good. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get it. And like, oh yeah, I see where you're coming from. But I, you know, I, I, I take it in, but I actually ignore it um, without applying it. Um, and so, yeah, that's just, I just wonder whether or not that went on for you, but getting back to um, where we were at with the footy though. So 2015, you come back, things didn't quite work out in Nelson. Um, and then, Rolling into 2016, again, looking back over the results for Hutt, it was a pretty ugly year by your standards. But then the following year in 2017, you guys end up making the Jubilee Cup final. Yeah. So what the heck happened from the start of 2016 to, what is it, July in 2017 to where you go from playing Hardham Cup to then being, you know, 80 minutes away from being the champions of Wellington Club Rugby? Yeah, we're... Man, we've been real guilty of like having an absolute stunning team on paper and then not delivering. A eh? like that 2016 team wasn't much different to the 2017 team in terms of personnel. Like we had some awesome players, man. Like Sheridan was our halfback, Oppie and Tomasi were in our backline. Like pretty, pretty stacked. You know, James, a young James O'Reilly. So yeah, I don't know what the main difference was. I guess um, we were all pretty. We're all pretty young in that 2016 team, and we just had a, a whole lot of those older guys move on, I guess. You know, the Risden brothers, um, Otto Rash, and all those boys. That They might have been still hanging around at that stage, but they weren't as involved as what they were in the earlier days. And that left a big hole. I remember it left, it left a big hole in, like, the leadership side of things. You know, we really looked up to those guys. And I guess 2017, we sort of stepped up in the sense that we thought, you know, we just had to. We had to. Um, we were the next guys. You know, that we had to carry on because, yeah, you know, obviously the Eagles are a proud club and they they mm. back themselves to be in that sort of top four, top six every year. So, 2016 is as you know demoralising it was playing Hardham Cup. You know, we, I remember one game we played at the Basin Reserve against OBU Senior Ones, and we were the curtain raiser for. <laughs> for OBU versus Pornica something in the Jubilee Cup. And we were, I remember saying to like one of the boys, like, fuck, we're never doing this again, man. So we probably came back um, 2017 with a bit of a chip on our shoulder and, and worked hard and, and got the result. Well, not the big result, but we got mm. there. I know that you mentioned the fact that you'd missed out on the opportunity to be a part of that 2014 team while you were looking to pursue your dream down in Nelson. So then to finally get the opportunity to play in the big game, again did you feel like that that 2017 season were you building you know obviously because the team was successful to the point where you know yep the team's going well and then was there any talk of the the Wellington stuff like where was sort of the rep stuff at like at the same time yeah so that's exactly how it happened actually so 2017 back on the old side I was I was I was uh in the Wellington Lions like training wider training camp or whatever you know we're training every Wednesday sort of thing and it Again, I was, I was in big talks with the coaches, you know, potential signing, getting there, getting there. And then, right, to be honest, that Jubilee Cup final, um, I didn't have my best game. I got outplayed by um, Regan Burney, who ended up getting signed ahead of me, who wasn't even in the um, the running, bro. Like, 
he wasn't even at any of those trainings or anything, but he fucking played mean in that final and credit to him, he got, got a contract out of it. And I, for me, I got a bloody miserable phone call at, on, the, on the Eagles Sunday session at about 8 p.m. So <laughs> uh, saying that I'd missed out. So that was pretty heartbreaking. But um, oh. yeah, yeah. So I was just, it was like, it just felt like, oh, here we go again. Like, you know, like it's just all happening again. But again, like I learned so much from, from those sort of things. And like, if I could just talk to that young, I, I wasn't young, I would have been about 23, 24 then. But, you know, just tell them like, doesn't matter you know it's, mm. it's you know, and just be patient because you never know what's around the corner and i know that you'd gone to nelson obviously you'd pack your bags and like you put your best foot forward there and, and you mentioned the fact that you got homesick but you know you're, you're a pretty good club rugby player and you're in the mix with the sort of line set up and these days you're seeing a lot of boys go to the likes of manawatu they even shoot up to places like taranaki so was there ever any mind for you to dip out anywhere or perhaps like go to um, a bigger heartland team than what Horofanua Kapiti was like did any sort of opportunities sort of like arise but you you turned them down to Sam Wellies uh yeah there was um there was one opportunity to go up to Bay of Plenty uh Clayton McMillan was a coach at the time and he'd taken up like Chase Tiatia and a few other Wellington boys uh Luke Campbell and um Oh, and James O'Reilly. James O'Reilly was the one that actually jacked that up. And um, I was pretty close to going, eh? Like, I was I was pretty keen of the Mount Life and mm-hmm. try, try to play for the Bay. But um, I ended up turning it down because I, the Wellington coaches got in touch with me that year. So <laughs> that just gave, you know, gave me a whole lot of hope. And, um, yeah, that, that's probably, yeah, that's, well, that's why I didn't go anyway because of, of the hope of, like, I'd much rather play for the Lions than anyone, you know? Like, they're the team that I grew up watching, so... If I'm talking to those coaches, that, that's going to take it over anything, you know? Yeah. I, I don't want to get you in trouble here, bro, because I'm guessing, and again, I, I was going to mention this at the back end of the podcast that your goal is to get back in with the Lions, but what are coaches like with that sort of communication throughout the season? Obviously, they have to lead you on to the point where they want the best players to stick around, but, you know, having talked to some guys within the club scene, a classic <laughs> example would be Logan Henry. You know, Guy yep. for Petoni, who had played really well consistently at the club level. And I, I've never heard this from him personally, but, you know, mates of his have said that, you know, it got to the point where he just, again, I, I don't want to get the guy in trouble. This is this is all from me. This is not from Logan. Um, and I'm not going to name the guys that I talked to, but he pretty much said that, yeah, like the, the coaches want me to stick around, but just nothing's happening. You know, but when it can't, yeah. when it comes time to offer me a contract, they're just like, oh, sorry, you've missed the boat. So, he ended up taking his talents up to Manoa too, and like, look, he's a hurricane now. So, I guess for someone like you who who went through that before ultimately, you know, getting let through the door, like, yeah, how do those sort of conversations go on? Yeah, just on that, how how good's that story, eh? From Logs, like, he's a bloody good fellow, good player too. So, no, I'm stoked for him, eh? Um, yeah, like, bro, to be honest, it only takes one conversation with those coaches, and you feel bloody good about yourself you know because the fact that they're even slightly interested in you you mm. know gives you this the slightest bit of hope anyway so any conversation is good apart from the sunday session 8 at 8 p.m <laughs> when you're in the cambridge you don't want that one but uh now any conversation is good but obviously like you said they're gonna lead you on because they want you to hang around it it makes their you know club competition better it, it creates competition within their selections as well so yeah, I don't know. You you soon uh, find out who the good ones are. I reckon you know some 
they're, they're all honest to a point, but the ones that um, are good at just being straight up and having the tough conversations are the ones you probably build trust in. Like, and that's why I think I got on well with Leo. Like, he just he was just a bit of this year, and he just told me how it was. He didn't really beat around the bush, so it's good. I mean, it's, it'd be the same for coaches, right? For the ones who are trying to attack, uh, attract, sorry, not attack, um, kids coming out of school. But for me personally, I just would have felt that, you know, a lot of these guys have been rugby players, right? A lot of these guys who have been coaches. So you'd think that they would treat players the exact same way that they would have expected to be treated. And it's, yeah, just unfortunate where I've heard about some cases where they sort of led guys on and then when it came time to pull trigger, um, you know, the two parties were at two different levels. But yeah, I won't I won't get I won't delve too deep into that because I, you know, I've got my own thoughts with some of the politics that go on, bro. But 2017 doesn't quite work out. The phone call wasn't the greatest on the Sunday sesh, but you know, the hopes are high. Like at least you were still in conversation and Hut was doing well, um, which is all you can ask for, um, both as an individual and as a team. <laughs> but rolling into 2018. I know that that ended up being quite a significant year for you, bro. Uh, you were one of three guys that were caught up um, as part of a anti-doping offence. And looking at the results, I see that, and correct me if I'm wrong, I saw that you played round one in 2018. But I think from then on, um, obviously with what was going on off the field, yeah, you, you weren't allowed to play. Um, and... Looking at what I could find on the internet, I saw that these dated back to a couple of years prior to 2018. And yeah, if you wouldn't mind sort of opening up about this, bro, can you talk about how did this whole situation arise and how did you first hear about it? Oh, it was real bizarre. Eh? Um, and they were, they were, I was one of three for, for that particular article you've probably read but there was like a hundred of us hundred like athletes across New Zealand that have been stung by this thing so basically what happened was when I finished in 2014 down in Tasman part of their feedback was you know we want you to trim up and, and come back a bit nippy a bit faster and just being a bit dumb and naive I, I, I was scrolling the internet as you do and me and my mate um, purchased what we thought was just a fat burner called clenbuterol um anyway so long story short we we got it took it it was shit because it just fucking gave us cramp <laughs> and um anyway that that was sort of that and that, that's all we sort of thought of it until i get a get a phone call literally four years later the day before that round one swindell game actually from drug free sport new zealand saying um hello are you brandon lawson is, is this your email address right around i was like yeah what's going on and they're like oh you're an investigation, you've uh, purchased this such and such uh, back in 2014. And I was like, is this a prank call or what is going on? Mm. And then, um, you know, I still didn't really think too much about it. I was pretty, um, the head was sort of spinning that day at work, I remember. But I, I played the next day thinking that oh, yeah, this will all just go away sort of thing. And then, um, so I played that day against Upper Heart. And then on the Monday, I got a phone call from like a sports lawyer. And it, that's when I sort of knew, oh, shit, this is actually pretty serious. So when I saw uh, uh, the sports lawyer and he said, um, you've got to stop playing pretty much effective immediately because otherwise they're going to add it on to your two-year ban. And I, I just heard that and I was just like, oh, two-year ban? Like, 
I don't even really know, didn't even really know what I'd done wrong because back then, like I, I was, like I said, I was in the high performance, but I wasn't like in the academy or anything. We weren't really educated on what we should or shouldn't take anyway. Like mm-hmm. I sort of knew it wasn't the best move, but I also thought like I'm buying this off a New Zealand website. It all seemed pretty legit. Like right. I didn't think, yeah. And I like Googled it and stuff. It's, it's not actually a steroid. So, but the whole, the whole thing was like just happened so fast. They're like, yeah, you got to stop playing now. Um, you're not allowed to train. You're not allowed to be a part of your team or whatever. And it just all happened like that. And it was just like life-changing because rugby was all I knew. And mm. my, my mate, the mate, the boys were like, how come Brandon's not at training? You know, like, where's Brandon been for the last month or, you know, so it just got real messy. I wasn't allowed to say anything as well to anyone because apparently they had to do that media release. And I was like, Bloody hell, I'm not an all black. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just club battler man who's you know he's trying to make his way, but yeah. So then that all that it all came out in the media and stuff. So that was yeah, that was real tough, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that it dated back to you know what would have been you know just an afterthought all those years ago to just get a random phone call, and then be like, yeah, you can't play rugby anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. That was, that was, yeah, it was heartbreaking, man. And then um, to make matters worse, I remember when that, uh, when it came out in the media, my nana passed away, like, around about that same time. So that was a real dark time, I guess you could say. But, like, yeah, obviously not not proud of what I did or whatever. And I was, you know, obviously remorseful because I mm-hmm. I got something big taken away from me that, was, you know, rugby was a massive part of my life and, even if it was just at a club level, you know, I, could, I just couldn't get my head around that I couldn't go and play club footy with my mates on a Saturday, you know, just you know, for something I did four years ago that didn't harm anyone else but myself, my bloody cramps. Mm. But, um, you know, like that, that was probably the hardest thing to get my head around because I just, yeah, it was a big part of my life and, yeah, and, and at a tricky part of my life as well because I was sort of around 25, so... You know, if I was ever going to, well, I was thinking then if I was ever going to make it in footy, it would be around about then. Otherwise, you're, you're thinking it's probably too late. You know what I mean? So if you're told you're going to miss out on the next two years of footy, it was pretty tough to hear. Yeah, absolutely, bro. I, I, I don't want to act like I'm, I'm fishing for something here, but given the fact that, I guess, what has it been the last half an hour we've talked about, you know, how big rugby was for you, how much you love it. You know, you grew up wanting to be an all black you know, you'd spent time in Scotland, you'd spent time away from home in Nelson, you know, all to just get, you know, to realize this dream. And then to have it taken away, as you said, at a time where you felt like it was make or break. Yeah. How, how, how do you deal with that? You know, like, I mean, yeah, again, it's, it's one thing to like have the rugby taken away from you, but it almost felt like you were chasing a carrot in a way, bro. And then it's just like, you don't even, you can't even chase the carrot. You want to chase the carrot, but it's yeah, like you're not allowed to. So, how how did you deal with that? Um, and yeah, I guess like you know, what did you do with your time? Like, what what did you learn about yourself? Because I guess you would have taken that time to reflect and you know think about okay, well, if I can't pursue this rugby thing, because I mean, yeah, so I'm I'm asking a million questions here, bro. But yeah, why don't we just answer that first one? Like, yeah. So this was probably the period where I, I learned the most about myself, definitely. Like, um, and I, to be honest, like I probably didn't deal with it the best I could have at, at, at first. I probably 
you know, moped around and I was probably not the best company at times, but I, I'm real lucky. Eh? Like I've got a real good support crew, um, you know, my family, my friends, and obviously my wife we were huge for me during that, that time. And yeah, I just kept, but me and, me and Alicia just bought a house at that time. So it was a good excuse to sort of get into the renovations and stuff and sort of take my mind off it. Like I, I found that I wasn't even really, I'd go watch the odd game uh, of Hutt, but I'd, I was just, I was, to be honest, bro, I was embarrassed. Eh? Like I'd chuck a hoodie on and try and stay pretty low key because mm. the last thing I wanted to do was face people on the side and say, oh, how come you're not playing? Rah, rah. Like the amount of time, amount of times I had to tell people oh, I've, oh, I've done my shoulder, man, out for two years. <laughs> like yeah. the amount of times I had to just make up a yarn was just like, it was pretty draining. Eh? So I'd freaking choose like when I'd sort of go and show face down there. But like the boys were obviously real supportive and like I said, I'm real lucky I got a real good support crew that got me through. But yeah, definitely learned a lot. Like I'm not like I said, I wasn't proud of um what happened, but I'm proud of um, you know, coming out the other side of it and yeah. And you know, yeah, that's that's one thing I'm real proud of. And obviously there was dark days, but you know, I'm proud of how I how I got through it and and probably came back better, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. would you say at the time that in a roundabout sort of way, you know, you, you sort of looked at yourself or, you know, you only thought of yourself as a rugby player because it had been just such, it had been like the, the biggest front of mind thing. And then to have that, you know, taken away and then obviously you grieve and you have to deal with it, but you, you talk about learning more about yourself as a person. So how did your perspective change? Um, maybe not only with rugby, but on life and then yourself, like what filled that void? Um, well, I just didn't take anything for granted, bro. Because you don't know, like, like I didn't know that I was going to have rugby taken away from me. Like, I just said I'll never take rugby for granted again or anything, you know, for granted because you just never know what's around the corner. So I just remember trying to stay as positive as I, as I can. And, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, sorry, I, th- I sort of lost train of thought there. But, yeah, just don't take anything for granted because you don't know, you know what's around the corner. Absolutely, bro. And so... How did those two years flow by, though? Were they slow? Did you find that they moved quickly once you'd sort of gotten out of maybe the cloudy part of it? And, yeah, like I know that you mentioned that you bought a house, uh, but, you know, did you find yourself picking up other hobbies? I know that a lot of boys get into the likes of golf, so maybe that freed up a lot of time there or family time. like Because, you know, rugby, even as a club player, it takes up so much time. So you think about Tuesday and Thursday trainings, whole day on a Saturday and then for someone like you who's traveling from the Kapiti coast to the Hutt Valley you know cutting out all of that commute you know you must have had so much more time on your hands so yeah what yeah, I definitely did yeah um I, I just remember um training bro training the house down eh? like uh, I just especially the the year of the comeback I, I just remember putting my head down and you know if I'm going to come back and do this I got to do it properly because you know, I want people to remember me as as a good rugby player, not for something I did, you know, when I was a young fella that stuffed it all up, you know. So I remember training the house down. Like I'm lucky, like Leash loves training as well. She was down doing sprints with me, kicking balls back. So I'm real <laughs> grateful for that. Eh? But um, no, that, that's probably the one thing that I remember. I, I sort of like had a real desire to come back better and fitter and stronger. So. I remember training heaps and yeah, like Tuesday, Thursday nights were a bit weird eh, during that winter um, or those winters because like, you know, the old grind, yeah, that's where you normally, mm. you know, down on the rainy nights. But yeah, I just, I just remember training 
training heaps. I didn't get into golf. I'm into golf now, but that, that definitely would have helped pass the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I still like, I still hung out with my mates and stuff. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the close friends, you definitely find out who your, who your good mates are eh, during those sort of times. So I got a good, good bunch of boys. Too true, bro. Uh, so, okay, you train in the house town um, in the time away. You got leash returning the seeds. So it sounds like the goal was still rugby. So like obviously coming out of that, I'm, I mean, yeah, like, so, so yeah, like had your perspective changed? I know that you said that, you know, at the time when it happened, you thought it was a make or break year. So knowing that you were always going to eventually be able to play rugby, you know, go back and play for Hart, had the dream sort of drifted from professional rugby to then just wanting to enjoy your club rugby because now you were never going to take it for granted or yeah, where were things at? Yeah, this is what I was going to say before, actually. Sorry. So that there, my whole perspective changed. Like, um, I, 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 ne- I never gave up on the dream. Like, I never, you know, I never said, oh, you know, stuff, I'm not going to try and make it anymore. But I, I, I literally, when I, when I, I knew when I wanted to come back to play rugby, I had come back with the mindset that I'm coming back to play rugby with my mates, which is what I love to do, you know, and that's why you started playing in the first place. And, um, Bro, we, as soon as I came back with that mindset, funny, funny enough, like that's when it all started to happen, bro. Because I all of a sudden I had taken all this pressure off me. I was just enjoying playing with my mates, and you know, next thing you know, Leo Crowley's calling you, saying, you know, because you, you're playing good rugby because because you're just enjoying it. You're not putting pressure on yourself. You're just enjoying it for what it is, and you know, you remember why you started playing in the first place. Eh? So, yeah, that perspective changed big time. Like it wasn't. Like I said, I never gave up on the dream because you got to dream big, right? But definitely the perspective, like just playing my mates, man. Like that's even now, like that's why I'm still traveling down to the hut because like my best mates play for hut, you know. So I want to mm-hmm. play, play footy, you know, with, with my mates. So yeah, that that's that was definitely the main change. Now you mentioned the call from Leo, which we'll get to, but pull on the back from there. The first game back. <laughs> You know, obviously you train the house down. You finally get to do the preseason training with the boys. Where was the game at? What do you remember from it? Like, and I'm guessing it must have been such a weird feeling. Like, because mm. one thing, like, like for me again, not to take this away from you. So I'm not playing club rugby this year. I might go hey. and play some. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm living in town, bro. And you know me. I'm well. I can't really call myself loyal because I started another club. But again, <laughs> this is this isn't about me, bro. But the point is, so. I've decided to take the year off. Whereas for you, you were forced to take the year off. So then finally, you know, having the chains taken off you and being allowed to play again. Yeah. Where'd that game go down? Like, and then you know, what was the feelings? Was it, was it different to what you'd experienced, you know, the night before a game? Um, yeah. I mean, I remember getting like heaps of like questions and messages, you know, obviously saying good luck and all that, but you know, everyone asking, are you nervous, bro? Are you nervous? And I honestly wasn't. Like I was just so excited to be back playing rugby. And I was at the Hut Rec, which was perfect. That's that's what I wanted. They 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 started me on the bench, which was all all good, probably a good thing. Because I came on, I think I came on at fullback. And um bro, I got absolutely smoked in a big tackle from uh oh some fella from Tower. But um we know, bro. The thing is, we we lost the game. I think it was round one jubilee. We lost the game, um, but I just walked off with the biggest smile on my face because, it, which was probably a little bit selfish. Like the boys are pretty down. They lost the game, but I was just so excited to be back out eh, and just back out there doing what, you know, I'd missed out on for 
so long. So, yeah, took took probably a couple of games to get back into the swing of things, like physically, that's for sure. But no, I was just so happy to be back. Hey. Yeah, I, I, like leading into today, bro, knowing that I was going to have the convo with you tonight, I tried to, again, yeah, trying to sort of relate my life to, you know, the experiences that I know guys have had. And yeah, I, I just, I couldn't imagine because, you know, rugby is a big part of my life. That's why I did this whole thing with the podcast. But yeah, to then finally like come back and just have that, yeah. And like you said, because you'd taken all that pressure off yourself, you weren't going into the game, you know, being like, okay, man, I've got to nail all my kicks and, you know, I've, I've got to do X, Y, Z, you know, you're just like, I just want to play. And it's, yeah. it's I mean, I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I've enjoyed playing, you know, at the, you know, the better that I am playing at the club level. But even then I found myself that I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform because I don't know, I know sort of premium levels, my ceiling and, you know, I, I want to put my best foot forward, but it, it is bloody hard trying to actually strip it all back and just, play rugby for the fun of it at times even at the club level so yeah Yeah. i'm guessing like like could could you have remembered a time where you actually went into a game with as much excitement and with as little pressure as you did with that game probably not bro to be honest like yeah no definitely not actually like I, i just came back like fresh in the mind like like this is what i love doing so this is what i'm just going to go out there and play, you know? Whereas like, like I was talking about, like when I was down in Tasman, I was worried about who was watching and what I was doing and, you know, what they would think. And yeah, I just, I just put no pressure on myself because, well, I'd been out of the game for two years. So if I was mm. no good anyway, I could use that as an <laughs> <laughs> But um, nah, no, nah, it, was, it was just so excited. So it was so cool to be back. Yeah, bro, absolutely. And then fast forwarding, because I feel like I've talked about enough times one podcast bro so you're out of the game and well you've been you've been out of the picture for two years you finally get back you get a you know you get a club season under your belt had you felt like your time had sort of passed on cracking an itm cup team and then yeah like how did you find yourself back in the loop with the coaches was it a similar sit down to what you'd had as a 24 25 year old and you sort of talk us through the process where you went from training on a Wednesday, being a part of those trials, and then, I don't know, perhaps getting a call saying, Brandon, you're in. Yeah, bro. So I definitely thought the time had passed. Eh? Like I was, what, 26, 27 at the time. So that that's old, bro, for you know someone mm. to, especially with the kids these days, like Ruben Love, who's like 12. Like, <laughs> it. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I, 2019, so that year that I came back and played, I... Um, I made the Wellington development side and I remember training, all the trainings were in town at Rugby League Park on a Tuesday, Thursday night. I was like, shit, this is dragging. Like, it was, I just wasn't really enjoying that because it was a long haul, you know, mm-hmm. back out to the coast after training, after the season that we had just had as well. So, and in 2020, I don't think they did Wellington development because of COVID. Yeah. So then there was, def- there was no real stepping stone to the Lions anyway. So I just sort of thought, all right, no, nah, this is it. It's all good come back 2021 and I, I, I was planning last year to be my last year at the Eagles like I was like all right this is it gonna have one more crack with the boys you know I really want to win a Jubilee Cup but also want to come back and play for Paraparomi with, all, with a few of my schoolmates so like that's something that I still want to do and then sure enough bro like that's the year that um you know uh, how it all started I think um oh we had a trial that the Wellington were having a trial game versus New Zealand on the 20s. And 
yeah, I don't know really why they called me, but they did. And I was even, bro, as soon as I got that phone call, it sort of took me back to like a young, you know, young fella getting that phone call again. Oh, shit, is this actually happening? So I went and played that New Zealand 20s game, played terribly um, <laughs> against a whole bunch of kids. And I thought, again, I thought, oh, this is all over then. And then I got thrown a lifeline, bro. Leo rang me and he, he gave, he was, again, he was honest with his feedback. He's, I, I was, you know, I'm obviously old now, so I can take that sort of feedback um, better now. And he just, just straight up, you know, you went up to speed in that 20s game, which I knew. And he goes, but I'm going to give you a, another chance. We're going to play um, Taranaki in a preseason game, but you're going to be on a better team. You know, all the super boys are coming down. So, you know, you have, Peter among a Jensen outside, yeah, and, and you know, where's Goose? And as soon as he started talking like that, I was like, shit, that's pretty mean, you know, like. Mm. And then um, I actually went all right in that game. Well, when I say all right, I was like, mistake free, exited well, <laughs> you know, just tick the boxes. And then uh, he basically said from there, bro, he goes, uh, oh, I should probably also add, like, I was pretty lucky, you know, injury, like, opportunities come through injuries, right? So Jackson was out. Um, mm -hmm. He'd done his Achilles for the Canes that year. So there was a spot there. And I think Aiden had broken, broken his arm. So it was just Ruben running the cutter. And he said, um, basically he said, I, I need you to, to debut next week against Northland. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, I wasn't contracted or anything. I wasn't like, like the boys were in full camp. Like they had like all had their headshots and fitted for kit. And I missed all that. Missed the Bronco, thank God. And then, uh, yeah, and then he was like, yep. Yeah, Sweet. So, um, how's your how, how's your boss? Is it will he be all right? You know, with you coming in to train for a couple of weeks? I was like, yeah, it's my old man. He'd be bloody stoked. So, yeah, went in, trained, and um, yeah, that getting that phone call was like, oh, I just remember almost breaking down. I rang mum and dad straight away, and I was just, yeah, that it was probably that moment that I sort of thought far out. Like all those times where you missed out, you got the ship phone call. Like this one just made it all worthwhile, you know. Because like, like what you said before, like Premier Rugby's like maybe what you see as your top, like I'm a realist, like I'm not going to be an all black. Um, mm -hmm. But the fact that I can represent my province, Wellington, like that's an all black cap for me, man. Like, that, that's my all blacks, you know. So that was yeah, a real proud moment, like receiving that phone call. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I, I guess like when I obviously I, I got to know you a little bit through CARES and, you know, I knew that you were a prominent player at the club level having been on the wrong end of so many results playing you, bro. Um, besides that Hardham Cup final, yeah, I, I, just, yes. I, just, I just had to play that in yeah, there. Yeah. I know it's only a Hardham Cup, but we, should, <laughs> uh, we were massive underdogs that game. Um, yeah, anyway. we cake. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, bro, yeah, to go through all of those experiences and then to get that phone call, you know, and, and then, yeah, even like you said, to play that trial game against the 20s and then be like, ah like that didn't go to plan so you know i'm gonna have to write this year off again and then to be throwing the lifeline and then to yeah get the phone call saying nah mate we're gonna need you to strip against northland uh next week at, at, at your age you know like you said like you thought you thought the boat had passed like yeah i can only yeah just imagine like you said because you know everyone dreams of being an all black but you know you get to the point where it's like okay i, I need to be a bit more realistic with my dreams and then yeah to finally get the opportunity to do it so talk about where it moved from there so you get the phone call you obviously have to tell your old man that you're not going to be rocking up at 7am or whatever time you yeah. clock in and then leading up to that game so like 
you get into the environment like what yeah you know, what were your nerves like because obviously you're an older guy and you, you played against a lot of these dudes or knew a lot of them so it must be weird being like so excited and feeling like a young fella but then you're like i had to reel this in because all these guys are younger than me yeah yeah, bro. yeah 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 there was that element where i was like shit i'm walking straight in as a debutante and they'll probably call me Koro because i'm older <laughs> than all of them but um and then there's the other aspect, like there was guys like Julian Savier and guys that I'd only ever seen play on TV, you know, and I was like, mm. that's the real pinch yourself moment, eh? Um, so I'll, I'll be lying if I said I wasn't shitting myself going into that that first day, bro. But I remember um, Duke, Duke C came up to me, shook my hand, and you know, just made me feel welcome straight away, which is funny, actually, because... Um, I used to think he's a bit of a dickhead. I told him too. I told him one day we're on the piss. I was like, I used to think you're a dickhead. But he was actually, he was so good to me. Eh? Like that first day, he just came and shook my hand and made me feel welcome. So that sort of um, kind of news. Plus I had um, obviously a few mates in there, you know, played club club rugby with James O and Connor Collins and Tomasi Alisio and all that. So it wasn't um, as daunting once, you know, that first day was out of the way and you know, I could sort of get into into the swing of things but it was definitely a shock to the system you know going from the tradie life to full-time rugby player but it was a dream eh so I just soaked it all up yep and then the Saturday comes around where you're playing against Northland and you're on the bench so like it, I always ask it's one of those weird ones where you know obviously you've got the family there because it's played at the Cacton yeah just to give everybody the the proper context and you know, you, you, you don't know how the game's going to go, right? Like, you you prepare your best and you prepare yourself to where you think you're going to get on, but you don't know. So how did you manage sort of, like, your excitement levels? And then when you finally get the sort of tip-off from the trainer being like, yo, finish up your warm-up, you're about to go on, like, what was going through your head? Again, shitting myself. Like, <laughs> I remember, like, um, just drinking so much water that whole week to try like hydrate you know you got to hydrate before the game and I was like up oh, pissing and everything every five minutes anyway um yeah I did I had some had a bit of family there and I had a um, group of mates there from the Eagles who were just they were on the beers and they were just so loud the whole game like yelling out put B on you know anyway uh got the oh again I didn't know when or even if I was going to go on you know no disrespect to Northland but we were up by 30 odd points at about the 60 minute mark and I was thinking, oh, could be a chance here. So anyway, I got the got got the nod. They're like, yep, you know, get up, warm up, you're going on for Rubes. And I was like, oh shit, like this is it, man. This is the fucking and my stomach was, you know, obviously nervous as. But I remember standing on the sideline talking to the touch side saying, Yeah, I'm coming on. And I just heard my boys like absolutely just going ballistic because they saw that I was about to go on. And I told them afterwards, I was like, that hearing that and seeing them be so excited and and proud, like literally just calmed my nerves straight away like I, it was weird real weird how it happened but I just felt like shit like this is cool man like they're they're here for me like I've done them proud like yeah it was a real weird but cool moment obviously but yeah definitely calmed the nerves seeing seeing the support that I had there mm-hmm. and yeah we wouldn't be doing it justice if we didn't mention the fact that you ended up kicking a couple of conversions and you managed to grab a meat pie <laughs> talk about oh. a debut yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a pretty jammy try, though. Eh? Like, Wizard just sidestepped their whole fucking back line and offloaded to another couple. And I was just, I just ran that fat man's track and got the last pass. But, oh, 
yeah, I couldn't have like dreamt of a better debut to be honest. It was pretty cool. Like scored right in front of where all those all those boys and my family were. So that was that was a real special moment. Yeah, bro. That's exactly what dreams are made of. Um, and you ended up adding a few more caps to your name um, as the season went on. Um, and I'm guessing the experience, you know, being in that environment would have left, you know, you wanting more. I know that, you know, you obviously, oh yeah, what are sort of your ambitions looking, you know, forward to this year? And yeah, what lasting impact did being with the Lions have on you for your footy career moving forward? Yeah, well, I, I remember... Um... So I was on obviously on such a high after that Northland game. And then we played Waikato the next week and, and uh, Rubes came off like straight after halftime. So I had to go and steady the ship. And we lost, bro. We lost and we were up by like 30 when I came on as well. So well, what I was going to say is I remember learning so much about myself because I'd just been on this massive high and I ripped, you know, the dream had come true and then it boom, straight back down to earth, eh? Like... Mm. So learning those lessons, like about, um, well, it was probably the best introduction to professional sport, I guess, because you're dealing with the highs and the lows straight away. But we went um, into lockdown straight away. And uh, so there's a long time to sort of process and review my game, which I wasn't too happy about. But I remember talking to um, Tamati Ellison during during lockdown. He was he just gave me heaps of you know tips and he was real good to deal with throughout the year and just learning and being around that environment just made me so much more hungry and like made me want more of it whether it happens or not I, I definitely want to put my best foot forward to try and make it happen I'm obviously older and I'm not getting any younger but I'm not the that 24 year old that overthinks things too much anymore so if I can you know, just play consistent rugby and give myself the best chance, you know, while enjoying it, playing with my mates, like I said before, you know, and if it happens again, that'd be awesome. So definitely the ambition's still there. Yeah, just on that, bro. Yeah, it's obviously really interesting because, yeah, as we mentioned a couple of times, at the time where you're playing well as a young guy and you want it all to happen and you feel like you've done everything in your power to just put your best foot forward and it's not working, but it almost feels like the pressure's mounting because you're just like, man, what more do I have to do? Like you're trying to squeeze as much out of yourself and then, you know, fast forward to when it finally happens. And as you said, you know, injuries play a part in it, but you know, you have to take your opportunities when they arise, but your it sounds like your whole sort of outlook on footy, you know, was completely different because yep. yeah, you, you'd gone through all that learning of obviously been away and not being allowed to play, but, would you, I mean, yeah, it's, it's easy to say now, but like, would you consider yourself sort of chalk and cheese from what you were as a 24-year-old to what you are now as, as a 27, 28-year-old? As a rugby player? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. rugby player and yeah. as a person. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and as a person too. Like, I've, I've definitely grown up and I've um, learned heaps. So just um, even little things like dealing with on-field pressure and stuff. I remember um, uh, last year I... I not to not bragging or anything, but I kicked the winning conversion against OBU. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking after that, like, man, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that two, three, or, you know, three, four years ago. Like, I would have just caked it because I would have just been in my own head, you know, whereas now I can just sort of relax and have that mindset that, you know, if, if I get this, that's freaking awesome. If I don't, there's more to life. 
yeah, you know, mm. like a life's good. I've got a good family, good friends, good jobs. So it's not the be or end all, but yeah, I've definitely got a di- different outlook on how I play the game and life as well. Yeah, and it, and it's funny, like you can't really manufacture that, right? You have to go through, you know, your own journey and process things at your own pace and not compare yourself to where you're at um, in comparison to other people. And, you know, you're almost working twice as hard as a young guy and you felt like that was what you had to do to get the output that you wanted, you know, to be that top rugby player and to, and to get the contract and to play the, you know, play at that, play at that certain level. But then it turns out like, as you learn, you actually just had to take a step back and then everything starts to flow. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny how like almost in a cruel way life works like that. Definitely. Yeah. Hey? Like, yeah, you don't know what will throw it at you, but that's like, like what I said before, it's the one thing that I'm proud of is, you know, going through those downs, but coming out the other side better because easy to just fall away and, and give up, on, give up on all the guests, but you can only have light uh, if there's dark, bro. Yeah. You know? Absolutely, bro. I think everybody can resonate with that. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that's pretty much a wrap on everything that I wanted to cover um, as part of your career so far. Um, hopefully there's some even better things to come for you in the future, bro. Fingers crossed. But what I'd like to do with all of my guests before I let them go is run through two different segments. Uh, the first being, can you take us through your game day routine, please? Game day routine, uh, it's definitely changed over the years. Like I remember... <clears throat> As a young fella, everything had to be like the same eh? every week, like perfect. Otherwise, it'll just spin me out. I'd go and lose the plot. But now these days, I'm pretty pretty relaxed. Um, um, it's cool. Leash plays netball in the hut as well, so I get to go watch her in the mornings. Normally, take the dog for a walk, uh, and then just go get a coffee with the boys, bro. It's pretty simple these days, and I think that that definitely works for me, eh? So, yeah, I, I don't try try do too much or think too much now i just try and keep it simple bro nice brother all right um on to the last bit then 10 in the bin just 10 quick questions and you just answer with whatever comes to mind first cool number one uh what's your must do on a day off or you know what are you doing your short time so now i'm into golf bro yeah so yeah yeah so probably the last couple of summers um a few of us boys have got into golf we're no good we're absolutely terrible but we go out and lose a few balls and, and chew the fat. It's good fun. What I can't wrap my head around is that everybody says that it's something that they like to do on their day off or chill, where from what I've heard, like it's like you just do one thing wrong and it infuriates you or it puts you in the red for the rest of the day. So I don't, I don't, those two don't marry up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. I, I definitely don't get it, but. Frustrating, but it's fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number two, uh, what's your go-to vessel on a night out? Uh, oh, I like um, old companies. Mm-hmm. Old companies. That's probably more of a pre-drink, though. Eh? I don't really go out these days anymore, bro. I'm all locked up. But right. <laughs> <laughs> now, odd companies, bro. Yeah, bro. I'm pretty fond of them as well. Uh, who's the biggest coach's pet you've been around? Oh, Jordan Gillies. <laughs> He's gonna hate that, but definitely. <laughs> No questions there. All right. Uh, what's your go-to cheat meal? Fish and chips, bro. That's mm. my favorite. Battered or crumbed? Battered. 
but then you got the trimmings like white bread, butter, sauce, can of Coke, sorted. <laughs> Kiriana, eat your heart out. Um, who was your childhood idol? Carlos Spencer. Good it, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, is, is, is that the reason, or did, did you try and emulate um, him as a youngster as well? Oh, I don't think anyone could emulate his play. He was pretty, um, pretty creative, eh? But um, oh, I just loved the way he played and sort of the swagger he carried as well. Mm. He was probably before his time, eh? Like he's pretty cool. He actually um, made me a huge blues fan to this day as well. So yeah, I won't tell him. Don't tell the Canes boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the seal. Yeah, oh, right. obviously Dan, Dan, Dan Carter as well, bro. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, Travel destination. Have you got a favorite place in the world or is there somewhere you want to check out? Oh, uh, off the top of my head, Bali's pretty mean, eh? You been to Bali? Nah. Uh, it's cool. I don't know what it'll be like these days, but um, been a couple of times. It's a pretty cool part of the world. Nice. I haven't done too much traveling. Yeah. Me either, bro. I definitely got to tick that off once the, the world returns to some normalcy, um, which hopefully isn't too far away. But who's the cheapest teammate you've been around? Gee, that's a tough one, man. I'm going to have to call someone out here. Um, <laughs> there's always uh, one, bro. There's always one. Come on. Cheapest. Yeah, I know there's always one, and it's just not coming to me. There's, there's, no, there's more than one. <laughs> just not coming to me. Um, oh, bro, I'll, get, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> it's all good. Sometimes you don't want to burn any bridges either. Uh, <laughs> who's your go-to artist, or have you got a song on repeat at the moment? Nah, I love old school music, okay? Like, um, Big Elton John fan, bro. There you mm-hmm. go. All right. I'll, I'll, um, yeah, I won't promise to put that in my Spotify, but yeah, we'll put that <laughs> in the maybe pile. Uh, who's the biggest grub you've played with or against? Biggest grub. Um, no, it's funny. How whenever I hear the word grub, it's just dang coals, which I've never actually played played with. Obviously, um, really wanted to that um, that one game that he played for the Lions this year. I really wanted to play because he's obviously a Kapiti Coast boy as well. So um, he definitely would have been top of my list. Biggest grub. He's plenty around in Wellington club footy, bro. Jeez, mm. uh, I don't know if I want to say say the names. They might take my head out this year. So. <laughs> All right, bro. Let's say Jordan Gillies again, bro. <laughs> See, that's a safe play because he's a teammate. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what he's like on the training paddock, but. Yeah, hopefully there's some sort of gentleman's agreement um, as there has been at a lot of the places, or at least at least for my sake, you know, it's the old, yeah, bro, I'll fall down. You don't have to hit me that hard. But, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's probably a reflection of why you got to where you got to and why I didn't, bro, because I was cutting too no. many corners. Um, but last question, my man, um, to not take up any more of your time. Just got to finish this sentence for me. Saturdays are for... The boys. <laughs> <laughs> You would have heard that. I was going to say no, that wasn't the, that wasn't the loudest, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I, bet I might be sleeping in the spare room tonight after that one, but nah, yeah, definitely, bro. All oh, right, has to be done. But yeah, that that wraps things up, bro. Thank you very much for your time. I wish you the best of luck individually. Not sure whether I extend that to the Eagles, uh, <laughs> but yeah up until either you're back down our way so you can check out our fuddy or we make our way up the line. Uh, take care of yourself and yeah, thanks, brother. Hey, thanks, bro. No, I appreciate coming on, bro. Big fan of the show. Eh? Oh, some, you've had some big guns on here, bro, so I don't really know why you called me, but hopefully 
we got through some good stuff, but no, I appreciate it, bro. Grateful. I mean.